Welcome to the Flint Catholic Podcast. On today's podcast, we are talking about for a synodal church, communion, participation, and mission, the North American final document for the continental stage of the 2021 to 2024 synod. I promise you it won't be that boring. And then on the other side, what are we talking about? Celebration. Celebration. Ah, yeah. Next on the Flint Catholic Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Father Tony Smila. I'm Patrick Brennan. All right. So before you all turn the channel and like get super bored, I know this is a uh, USCCB document, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Um, but I figure, you know, it's I read it for you, right? You don't have to read this now. I read it for you. Always and a good strategy. That's I think so. And I'll I'll pull out the main parts. We'll kind of discuss some of the. The interesting things that were, were said in this document, and uh, we'll go from there. And then, really, like, once we get past this segment, we can celebrate, right? That sounds perfect. You like what I did there? Yeah. You like it? You know, we got to get through purgatory. We do have to get through the purgatory. But I think it's important, because um, in your parishes, you probably haven't heard about the synod, right? The synod on synodality? Probably not. No. That'd be surprising if that was the Sunday homily. That's true. Have you heard it in your parish? Not spoken uh publicly yeah i'll say that yeah so i think it's good we talk about like what the bishops are actually talking about what the what rome is trying to do so um we've talked about it before but uh in case you haven't heard there's a synod on synodality going on um and so we're having a synod about synods and um it's a gathering of people they talk about things and then they write reports and really what the church wants to do right now is wants to do a lot of listening Wants to listen to the people. Wants to listen to you know everyone, everyone from every walk of life, every state, every vocation, and you know what are your thoughts on the church and how can we move forward in the 21st century in the church? What do we need to change? What do we need to do? And so all of these things were brought together. So the beginning of this document really just talks about how did they do that. Okay. Right? And and this this document is this the fruit of all of that listening? Is Correct. that what this is? Okay. Correct. So, yeah, so they had all of these, like, sessions. I think they had 12 sessions around the country. Actually, I think they were all virtual, virtual sessions where you could get people from all different walks of life talking about lots of different things. They broke down into small groups. They prayed together, and then they came up with, with what they thought was important. And so this document synthesizes all of the different ones in the United States and Canada. So the United States and Canada is working together on this, and so this is the fruit of all of that. Shout out to Canada. Shout out to Canada, except for your hockey teams. <laughs> <laughs> it's NHL playoff season. I love the NHL playoffs. Like, I'm so stoked. <laughs> There's great hockey every single night. That's true. So they, uh, so they're, just to give you kind of a, a flavor of, of what it was, uh, there were 931 delegates, 50.2% um, women, 49.8% men, 391 lay women, three, uh, 235 lay men, 76 deacons, 148 priests, 77 women religious, and four non-ordained men religious. And a partridge in a pear tree. And a partridge in a pear tree. Yes. So those are your delegates. Um, there's 12 virtual assemblies, and uh, this is the, the fruit of it. In summary, what we shared and what was heard at the continental stage was that by our common baptism, we are called by God and gifted by God with dignity, 
This common baptism places us in communion with Christ and one another, and our baptismal dignity is inseparable from our baptismal responsibility, which sends us forth on mission. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like, in a nutshell, what uh, was the fruit of this. They divide it up into a few sections. And so the first one is called and gifted through baptism. And so the call to holiness includes and endures all for the baptized, no matter their state in life. So there was a call for greater co-responsibility among the laity and the clergy, including bishops. And this is kind of the, the overall theme of this section. It's, you know, the, the bishops and the priests, they're not the ones who should be doing everything. You know, there needs to be a co-responsibility amongst the laity as well. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Amen. We're all in this together. Yes. Um, and this includes those who are on the margins. And so they, this group uh, specifically mentions uh, women as a marginalized group in the church. Um, delegates proposed the examination of a variety of aspects of church life, including decision-making roles, leadership, and ordination oh. with the role of women. What do you think about that? Uh, I think John Paul II made it pretty clear that it is a closed discussion in the church. Why do you think they brought it up then? Because I think they want to talk about it. I see. So it's not so much... These, these topics are not so much, we're going to take action on these items. It's just more, let's talk about it so we can Correct. have clarity. Correct. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. We're going to um, leave it up to, you know, have a discussion and listen to people. Now, clearly it's brought up because pe some people want this. Right. Um, so it's, is it similar to, if, you're, if anybody out there is familiar with Alpha, is this sort of like an, an almost Alpha-like discussion where what's on your, what's, yeah. what's the Holy Spirit doing, you know, and, and let's yep. talk about it even if it's, uh, you know, something that's controversial. Let's still Correct. talk about it. Absolutely. Because the idea is, you know, what is on the hearts of Catholics in, in North America? And this is something that they thought was clearly enough on the hearts and minds of Catholics in North America that, okay, we need to include this. That makes sense. And especially as a synthesized document, this, this wasn't just brought up once, but it must have been brought up multiple times. So it doesn't ex give us like the details of how many times it was brought up, but you know, they said, here's what we found from all of this kind of put together. Here are the main points that keep jumping out at us. Got it. Um, they also talk about youth and young people as a section we need to focus on. The gifts of young people are not always fully appreciated by older generations. We should appreciate the creativity and the ingenuity of young people. Amen. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I may have wrote in red underneath, even when they want tradition. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? So I see a lot of young people, and by young people, I, I guess I consider myself part of that, right? I'm yeah. 33, but, you know. You, you, you can go to young adult events I, for quite a while. No, I think I'm no longer a young adult. Really? I thought it was 35. Is it 35? I don't know. I, if it's 35, I disagree with that definition. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yikes. Um, when, when you go to things that are, are very traditional... Um, there are always a lot of young people at that. There's a young, the young people are really, and, and obviously broad brush strokes, right? Mm -hmm. But there's, there's a real desire for, for some tradition. And um, at events with, with uh, tradition kind of at the forefront, there's a lot of young people there. So, uh, and I think that older generations don't see that. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I think good... this is a good topic to, to talk about. Yeah. Um, the second section, is this a good quote? No. Second section is communion with Christ and one another. So um, communion with Christ and one another, first and foremost, they come out and say, 
we must maintain the centrality of Christ, right? Even with when we're talking about communion with one another, the centrality of Christ is is paramount. Yeah. So, um, and then it, it says that there is clearly a polarization and a strong pull towards fragmentation right now in the church, mm. right? There is definitely um, different, I don't know, maybe factions in the church that are really, um, there's a tension in the church right now. Mm. And, and perhaps there's always been a tension, and this is just the current tension. Sure. Um, but there's, there's a tension, and, and this document really says, yeah, there's, there's a tension there, right? I mean, especially uh, if you talk about the, the liturgy wars, right? Those who want the traditional Latin Mass and those who want the Novus Ordo. Man, if you, uh, if you ever see an article online talking about either one of those things or those things together, never go to the comment section, hmm. ever. Never seen such lack of charity that's Ma- Moss Eisley looks tame in comparison. Ironic. The, yes. the, the irony here. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we cannot fully live out our baptismal dignity and responsibility without addressing the areas where our communion with one another and thereby our communion with Christ is stressed almost to the breaking point. Mm. That's, that's an important piece. Mm-hmm. Another important piece is trust and credibility. So a significant threat to communion within the church is a lack of trust, especially between the bishops and the laity, but also between the clergy in general and the lay faithful. Mm. So it mentions the clergy sexual abuse crisis, um, historical wrongs that that uh, the church has perpetrated, and uh, there's a calling for a cultural change in the church with a view to greater transparency, accountability, and there's a word again, co-responsibility. Mm-hmm. And yes, yes, to all of those things. Now, the church certainly is trying its hand at greater transparency. Mm-hmm. I think not very well. Um, Vos estis lux mundi. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago? Oh, yeah. Um, it's the uh, accountability uh, structure for bishops, um, especially in dealing with matters of sexual abuse. How are bishops handling this? Because there's no real higher authority in a diocese than a bishop, so who holds the bishops responsible? Who watches mm-hmm. the watchmen? Mm-hmm. Right? And so we've got... How do, how do we do that? And so Vos Estes was meant to look into that and be like, all right, here is how bishops are held accountable, especially in these areas. It's a great thought. Um, I think it's a great, well, it's an okay start, but there's still a pretty large lack of transparency in how Vos Estes is actually working, and that's a problem. Sure. So you know, it's like the church is, is entering transparency, kicking and screaming, mm. which is a great thing to have in a document like this because it continues to push that door open. Yeah, yeah. And you know what it makes me think of is, I mean, every person on the earth struggles with transparency. Mm -hmm. Uh, So whether you're in church leadership or whoever you are, there's that that process of, all right, I'm going to set my pride aside and be honest here. And hopefully these kind of kinds of conversations will till the soil of honesty and openness so that over time we can perhaps be known for transparency, you know, a a generation from now. Yeah. Yep. So another push in that direction. Uh, Greater inclusivity is the next section. One of the major factors that was seen as breaking down communion was the experience of many that certain people or groups feel unwelcome in the church. The group's name during the continental stage included women, young people, immigrants, racial or linguistic minorities, LGBTQ plus persons, people who are divorced and remarried without an annulment, and those with varying degrees of physical or mental abilities. Mm. That is a 
wide range of of groups and you know different levels of uh, inclusivity, I guess, if you want to use that term, amongst them all, like each one of those requires its own unique conversation, right. I think. And so that's, that is a large can of worms. Right. Um, yeah. And going back to the, that analogy of like an alpha conversation, um, it's interesting that all of those different groups were, were, were brought up mm-hmm. because everybody wants to be heard. Mm-hmm. No, no matter your, what, uh, your background or a group you're part of, it's like everybody wants to feel like they have a voice and a spot at the table. And so how do we satisfy that desire among every people group? Yeah. And without compromising church teaching, mm-hmm. right? Like that can't be compromised like even a little bit, not right. one iota, not one dot, as Jesus says. Yeah. Um, and so to, to hold on to what the church teaches as true, but also like, yeah, we're going to, we need to be more inclusive. We need to be more welcoming and reach out better mm-hmm. to, to people who feel like they're left out and unwelcome. Yeah, and, and the, another thing that comes to mind is, um, do we have strategies for every um, person and every people group, or are there certain groups where it's like, well, we're just not even going to try with mm-hmm. that, right? But I think it's a huge... Um, it's a matter of huge importance to try with every single right. demographic and group because obviously God wants them all, yeah. right? There's no, there's no person on the earth that God's saying, eh, you know, two, two out there, two left yep. field, two right field. It shouldn't, shouldn't be that way. Yeah. We are not allowed to exclude anyone from the great commission that has been given to us. Yeah. We are not allowed to exclude anyone from the great commission. All right. Um, the last section on this was just more about listening, how to listen better. Um, we need formation on how to listen in a company, resources that will help us grow as a people. Yeah. How to, how to form in a company. I think that's tied to what we're just talking yeah. about. All, all these different demographics, it's like, okay, God, give us the, give us the wisdom. Give us the, um, first of all, the, the compassion the desire, the fire to want to reach out yes. and then uh, give us the strategy for how to go about that. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. That brings us to the third section, sent forth on mission. And so they start right away, right, with we want to do this while remaining faithful to the teachings of the church, which is great. I have no encounter, or I have no, no disagreement with that. Mm-hmm. Um, the mention, uh, really, the next section is really like, proposing synodality as, as a really, really good thing. Synodality leads to an encounter with the Lord and with truth. Eh, I don't know if I quite agree with that. Synodality leads to an encounter with the, Lord and his, with the Lord and with truth. That certainly can happen. And when they say synodality, they're talking about what? Also a good question. Okay. I think that's part of the issue with the synod on synods is everyone's kind of like, what does this mean? What do these words mean? How are we using them here? Like we, we can look up a dictionary definition, but how exactly are we using that word here? And I think that's part of the, the difficulty with this is mm-hmm. we don't actually quite know yet. I think uh, a, an example that comes to mind, I don't know if they put this in the document, but the road to Emmaus, 
It's like, when I think of synodality, that's the scripture verse that comes to mind, Mm. is that encounter with Jesus saying, what are you talking about as you walk along? Mm -hmm. And there's this dialogue back and forth, and then eventually their eyes are opened. Um, So perhaps that's one practical way to think about this, is placing placing ourselves in that scene. Yeah, and and us as those receiving from Jesus. Right. Yeah, receiving the truth from him that they were open enough to have that conversation with him along the way. I think that's, that's the, uh, the best case scenario as to what this, this leads to. Um, we'll see if we get there. Yeah. Um, synodality is inseparable from becoming a church sent forth on mission. If mm-hmm. using your definition, I agree. Yeah. Now, certainly what the, the German church is doing is, is not synodality in that term. And that's where I think a lot of people are kind of on edge because the German church has taken the term synodality and made it something very different. More like, let's take this as an opportunity to change church teaching. Right. That's not good. That's not what we want. And I think a lot of people who are nervous about the synod on synodality is nervous for that, hmm. that we become what the German church is doing, which I'll say it, straight heresy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the goal of synodality is not confusion. The goal of synodality is clarity. Yes. And you think about the road to Emmaus, it's like, what did Jesus bring in that dialogue? He brought clarity, right? Mm-hmm. He explained the scriptures to them, and then their eyes were opened in the breaking of the bread. And yeah. it's like, so many people, you know, all of those different groups that we're talking about have walked away from the church and dismissed it as, eh, I can't really find what I'm looking for there. Mm-hmm. And so as they're walking away, you know, as they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, it's like, we're called to step up alongside and give them an encounter with Christ so that they can run back to Jerusalem just like those those people did. That's right. That's right. And so many times we hear stories of people who have, you know, caused confusion and people walk away from, from that. And they're like, well, this can't be true then if... if this confusion is here, and that's really sad. Right. So hopefully this, this synod does create that clarity that brings people to Jesus. So um, there's a lot of boring sections after this. The bishops then reflect on the experience of synodality in North America, and there's a you know a bunch of paragraphs on the bishops, and it was so boring I highlighted none of it. <laughs> It's like, oh my goodness. It's, you know, there's, there's like, I think I've talked about it before on the show too. Like there's a, um, a language you have to learn called Vaticanese. Really? Yes. Where it's like, it's writing in such a fluffy way that like, it takes you three paragraphs to have like the substance of one sentence. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what? You had me there. I was like, really? There's... Vaticanese. Yeah, yeah, it's Vaticanese where he's like, all right, you're like circling the wagons and you're <laughs> saying in such fluffy language what could have been said in one sentence yeah. in three paragraphs. Yeah. So, yeah, this is where the document can be a little tedious at sure, times. And sure. maybe I'm just too direct to like have the tolerance and the patience for something like that, but that's where we are. Um, so, uh, a couple of things I did highlight from this section about the bishops, uh, they, uh, a couple of them said this, our people are interested in where we are going with this. Synodality is an adventure and we aren't very familiar with it. We need to do more with our people, listen to them more to aid our discernment, sit down with them and discuss the religious life in the diocese. We cannot just sit in the office and make important decisions by ourselves. Yeah, you're shaking your head and I was too when I'm reading this. I'm like, yes. Um, especially that first section, right? Synodality is an adventure. I love 
the, the use of that term there, right? It's an adventure. It's what Damascus is, right? Live yes. the adventure. Yes. Um, love, love that. And we aren't very familiar with it. I think that's an important, important thing to admit mm-hmm. that like, as we were just saying, like, what's the definition of synodality? Uh, like nobody has a great working definition of it. We all kind of have this vague and amoebus, 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 like it's Latin for amoeba, amoeba, amoebus, uh, this idea of what like synodality is, but we don't like, well, like, what does it look like in practice? What does it look like when we actually are a synodal church? What does that look like? We don't exactly know. And we're probably going to like make lots of mistakes and mess it up a lot and not be very good at it. I think it was GK Chesterton who said, anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly. Mm. Right? Because when you start something, you're going to be bad at it no matter what. You're not going to pick up something and be immediately good at it. Right. Um, and so if it's worth doing, it's worth plowing through doing it poorly to then do it well. Amen. So um, to see this admission by the bishops that we're not very familiar with it, I think is a good thing. I'm glad to see that. And um, the, the last section that really jumped on, we cannot just sit in the office and make important decisions by ourselves. Yes. Amen. As Pope Francis says, you got to smell like the sheep. And, and that's, a, that's a line for every single Christian on the earth, mm-hmm. right? In terms of discernment, community, uh, when to take action. It's like we're, none of us are meant to walk alone. Yeah, for sure. So the last section here is priorities directed to the October 2023 gathering of the Synod in Rome. So it's like, okay, here's what we did. Here's what we put together and compiled, and what's the next step? The next step is is Rome in uh, October of 2023. So that's when the like all of these continental phases. Um, so each continent kind of put together their own d- working document. This is the North American one, and then they're all going to come together and synthesize even more and talk about like the different things that are required to each area. So. Um, the Synod team has gathered principal themes that emerged from the Continental Assembly and now propose them for further consideration at the Synodal Assembly to be held in Rome in October of 2023. So I am sure around October, maybe November next year, we'll be talking about this again. Okay. So quickly, here are the five uh, points for further consideration. One, integration of synodal consultation in the local churches. This would include formation both in synodality and in the spirituality of discernment. So... Basically, this is saying that we need to rethink our diocesan and national ecclesial practices and or structures in a way that truly prioritizes the synodal style. So whatever is the synodal style, if we're going to be a synodal church, we need to kind of rethink practices and structures to accommodate that. Okay. I think a a way to think of that is um, how many of you out there uh, were elicited for this, um, these 12 different listening sessions? Probably nobody. Yeah. I was not asked. I have not been a part of the synodal, this synod whatsoever. Mm -hmm. No contact with it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, not a lot of people were in connection with it because we don't have the structure for it. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two, the challenge of welcoming those who feel excluded from participation in the life of the church in a manner that is authentic and faithful to the gospel and the Catholic faith weighs heavily on the hearts of our people. Yep. Sounds good. Three, co-responsibility. The discernment of how baptismal co-responsibility for the church's mission should be appreciated and achieved demands a better understanding of the roles of the laity in general and of women and young people in particular. Yep. Okay. No no issue there. Sure. 
Number four, addressing the unity and communion of the church in the midst of various kinds of polarization and division. I think this is a big one. And probably this one might be more unique to the North American church. Uh, But I know the European church struggles with this as well. So how do we deal with polarization and division within the church itself? And then number five, a church that goes out to the peripheries. Mm. So how do we reach those uh, marginalized groups a little bit better? Mm -hmm. So... That's kind of the, uh, this is the document in a nutshell. Um, I think it's, I think it's okay. I give it like a B. Um, a lot of it is Vaticanese and vague. And, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more like more concrete items than just vague generalizations about things. Mm -hmm. But, um, that's also recognizing how my own brain works. Yeah. I prefer more of the, the give me concrete things. Um, instead of vague generalities, but mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's not the uh, the purpose of this. So, you know, just an image that's coming to mind as we're going through those last five things is the difference between a polluted lake, a, a polluted lake, and a clean river. Hmm. And I think in some ways, the the church became a polluted lake, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're not going out, we're not going anywhere, and there's junk in here we got to get rid of. And the idea, maybe through this synodal style, is to become a clean river mm. that uh, that flows out to to everyone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's his document. Um, stay tuned for more. I'm sure we will be covering this through 2024. Not too often to not bore you all. But, that wasn't uh, nearly as boring as I thought it might be. So. Well, good. I, I did my best to make it <laughs> boring because there were moments when I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, man, how many pages do I have left? <laughs> so, good. I'm glad you like it. On the other side of the break, we will talk about celebration. Welcome back to the Flint Catholic Podcast. All right, I'm ready to celebrate. Let's go. Awesome. Let's do it. Balloons, cake, the whole deal. <laughs> so my, my opening question on it, and people, this is going somewhere. All right, so just hang with me. My opening question is, what makes, what are the things that make a great celebration? Ice cream. Okay. Ice cream. What else, what else we got? I'm going to say music. Music. That was going to be my very next one. A rock and band. Mm-hmm. Need a rock and band. Um, great food. Great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would hope that would have been covered in ice cream, but yes. Great ice food. cream is, you know, the tops there, right? Yes. Or, great great food, great drink. Yes. Yes. What, what else? A great celebration. What else you need? Perhaps some fun games. There you go. Yep. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, a spirit of levity and fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. Joy. Joy. Laughter. Yep. Great conversations. Great conversations. Great connections with people. Yep. Great weather. Oh, yeah. That does help a lot. Yeah. If you can do it outside and have like a good party outside. Oh, like those those late summer evenings where it's the sun's like starting to set a little bit earlier than before, but it's still nice and warm outside. Those are great. Yes. Uh, venue is huge. Venue is If you've big. got a great venue. Yep. Uh, a great setting. Yes. Yep. Yes. And, and you can think about, you know, obviously there's all kinds of different ways that we celebrate, right? It could be a birthday party, could be anniversary, it could be a graduation, 
Um, so we're, we're pretty well versed in how to have a great time. Yes. Um, and I, I think especially, uh, the, the big moments in our life, right? We, we know how to have a great wedding reception or a great open house for graduation or um, whatever the, the occasion is. But the reason I'm bringing up celebration is here in the Easter season, are we great at celebrating as a church? Mm. Are we great at celebrating in the church? And I would, I would say that all of those things we just talked about, all those elements we just talked about in all these other types of celebrations, they can all be brought into our culture of what it means to live our faith and celebrate our faith. All of those things. So when we talk about like, you know, it could be going on a retreat or, uh, you know, a, a parish event, something at the church, like, are we bringing all these elements that make a great celebration into those events? Mm-hmm. Or are we dumbing it down and saying like, yeah, we don't really need great food. Uh, you know, we don't really need, the, the venue can just be like dark and dank. And, you know, it's like, well, why do we do that to ourselves? Yep. Let's, let's make it as amazing, as fun as possible. And, you know, we've talked about Damascus on this podcast. And so they're one of the ministries that does an amazing job of, of celebrating. And there's others that, that do an amazing job celebrating. So it's not like in the church, we're just void of it. Yeah. But I would say it's, it's not a common cultural experience in the church. Uh, great, great celebrations. And yes. so this, this uh, conversation right now, I want to talk about what are some things we could do as a church to basically bring heaven to earth? I mean, this is, this is ultimately about giving people a concrete, practical vision of what's the joy going to be like in heaven? Yes. And, and let's, let's try and actually um, mirror that in some way on earth. So do you have any thoughts on how we might be able to yeah. do that as a church? Yeah. In fact, I experienced one already. Um, so this is something that I think every parish should do. It's something that whenever I have a parish, we will do this every year and we will go all out, pull out all the stops. How many of you have been to a resurrection party? I have never been. A resurrection party is fantastic. So uh, there was one actually at St. Robert's this year in Flushing. Oh, wow. I loved it. I'm like, yes. So I did the Easter vigil at St. Robert's this year. And uh, after the Easter vigil, we did like all seven readings. Like we went out on all out on that, on the uh, Easter vigil and afterwards, after the, uh, the Easter vigil, we went downstairs and partied. Nice. I didn't get home till after 2 a.m. Oh, my gosh. It was great. <laughs> and so we, we partied. There was great food there. There was coffee there. There was, there was wine there. All the people who were brought into the church came down and had a big party. Everyone was congratulating them. It was fantastic. How did it last until two in the morning? Because people want to party. That's amazing. People want to celebrate. And they were they were hanging out and having a great time. <laughs> and that is so much fun. So like even, you know, when I when I get a parish, like, we'll bring in a band. Yeah. We'll like do the whole thing. We are going to party <laughs> after the vigil. And it will be fantastic. And I don't care if I have the eight AM the next morning. I'm doing it. Yes. Amen. So that's one example, the resurrection party. And you know what? I'm pretty sure Redeemer does it too. Yeah, party too. I mean, we we could apply this. You could apply it to every major feast mm-hmm. in the church calendar. Pentecost party, 
Yep. Obviously, Christmas party. Yep. You know, I mean, doesn't have to be just coffee and donuts. Yeah. We can we can step it up a notch. And I remember we used to do a big make it a big deal uh, Immaculate Conception when we were mm-hmm. at seminary. Um, you know, literally take the day off from school and okay. just have it a day of celebration. So uh, my encouragement is to think about your own lives and think about all right, what are the ways in which I love to celebrate? and then connect your faith experience to that. Um, One of the scripture verses that was coming to mind as I was thinking about this topic is when St. Paul Paul says that um, when when God calls us, right, he, he calls us, he justifies us, and then he also glorifies us. And I believe it's like Romans 8. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would say that the journey of Lent, the journey of Advent, is is this experience of receiving the gift of justification and uh, receiving the mercy, right? Receiving the uh, the work of Christ more deeply into our life. And then once that's been received and more um, brought into union with our lives, then there's this glorification that happens in the Easter season, the Christmas season especially, and it's like the, what we've what we've walked through in those seasons of preparation. It now explodes in celebration, and so that's my encouragement: is to to not just see our faith. I think I think a lot of times we see our faith as mainly a penitential experience, or or mainly uh, an experience of yeah, life is a test, and you know can't wait for heaven someday. Let's not live there, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, yes, yes, do the preparation. Yes, we want to uh, absolutely walk the narrow way. Um, but let's not leave out the previews that we can have of glorification. Because though that balance, that balance, talk about being synodal. Like, that's a witness to other people that, oh, man, these people they're actually laying their lives down. They're, they're living sacrificially, but they're also celebrating. They're also joyful. Yeah. They're also a great community. So let's have both. Yeah. How many times do Catholics get the, uh, the bad rap for being like super penitential all the time and like, oh, you guys look miserable. Right. And I think th- there, are, there are other church communities that totally avoid the penitential, right? And say, yep. eh, we don't even want to have Lent. We, let's just celebrate Easter. And we right. don't want to do that either. Right. Uh, but what, what we have as Catholics is a, an, an ability to, uh, to, to proclaim this fullness, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we want to be about. We want to be a people of, who are walking in the fullness of Christ. Yep. We, we know the, good, the bad news that we are sinners in need of a Savior, but we also know the good news, that we have been saved. Come on. Yeah, it's so good. And we live both of those here in this time simultaneously, the bad news and the good news. Yes. And, and you know, to live that out to the fullness. Right? It's just like it, we're going to go all out all the time, whether it's fasting or feasting. We go all out, and we give it all to the Lord, and that's where we find our greatest fulfillment. Yes, and to add to that, one last thought is, our human experience, just just the fact of being human, we need this. Mm-hmm. We need this fullness. We we cannot just live human lives of suffering, and we cannot just live human lives of joy. Yep. We're, the 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 human experience is one of 
all the mysteries of the rosary, whether you're Catholic or not. And, yep. and so we want to bring that fullness of the human experience and sanctify it, right? Bring it under the grace of Christ and then watch how he blesses it and multiplies that consecration. Amen. Let's, uh, let's live Easter well, then, in these next 50 days. Amen. Or however many days are left of Easter. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Yeah. Awesome. We will see you all next week. This is the Synodal Flint Catholic <laughs> Podcast. God bless you. <laughs>